Alrighty, so let's do a little recapitulation of last Shabbat. We're, we're doing a series of talks right now called Testify, the what, who, how, where, and why of testifying or witnessing to Yeshua's cause. And uh, we'll just go over last week briefly, review what we learned. Um, we were springboarding these whole talks from one verse in Leviticus chapter 5, verse 1, where it defines what a witness is. And in that case, it was like a witness in a legal situation in the courts. But I think there's some underlying principles there that apply in general. We learn that a witness is someone who has seen something. Someone who knows something experientially. Someone who has a story to tell. That is a witness. And in um, Leviticus, it says there are times when a witness hears a public adjuration to testify. Uh, what would be the equivalent of that in, in, in the West? It's like if you, get that, if you get that call to come to the witness stand, to show up in court, you've got to go. And the Hebrew word for that public adjuration is kol Allah. Everybody say kol Allah. It means like the voice of an oath. But it also could be read as the voice of God. So when you have heard the voice of God, you've got to tell the story, is basically what we get from that verse on a deeper level. Um, we learn that the Hebrew word for witness is aid. Everybody say aid. The word for testimony, what a witness gives, is a dut. Everybody say a dut. You remember that big heap of rocks that Jacob and Laban set up? And, uh, and Laban called it Aramaic, Jagar Sahadutha. And, um, and um, Jacob called it something in Hebrew. Do you remember what he called it in Hebrew? Genesis 31? Galid. Gal is a heap. And can you hear that Eid in there? That's aid. That's witness. It was a heap of rocks that were a witness. So it's kind of cool how that Hebrew word even pops up in, in a place name in the Torah. Uh, we also learned that the Greek word for a witness is martus or martyr. Everybody say martyr. That's where we get our word for, uh, our English word for martyr for. And um, then we learned that there are a couple guys, especially in the apostolic writings, that they were referred to as witnesses, and their main function was to tell what they saw and to talk about what they heard. Yeshua was one of those guys, and Paul was the other. Um, we learned that when you tell a story about something that you saw or something that happened, and this is something we all do, you're witnessing on a most basic level. You're, you're, you're giving testimony. Like, for instance, remember those people who saw, like, Lazarus raised from the dead? And, like, people's draws were dropping and, pe dropping and people were screaming and they all went back home and guess what they were doing? Guess what the story was for the next however many work weeks, like, over coffee at work and with the neighbors? Everyone was talking about how the rabbi from the Galilee raised a guy from the dead. And in John it says they were witnessing of Yeshua. And these guys didn't even necessarily believe in Yeshua. But when they were telling the story, they were witnessing. Um, that's something that we covered. We also learned that in the Greek, the word to witness means to um, contribute to someone's good reputation, to make them the hero of the story, to um, give them props, just to talk well about them. So whenever you're doing that for somebody, you're giving testimony to that person in the, in the, uh, the biblical sense of the word. Um, and then I gave you a bunch of references where that was the case. And then we finished our talk last week by looking at a historical lineup of witnesses 
from the very beginning of the story of history. The very first one we looked at is the Father. He testifies of Yeshua. Then we looked at the Holy Spirit. Guess what? He does the same thing as the Father. He testifies of Yeshua. Then we looked at Yeshua himself, and here he was, the, the king who had just been the, the king who had been beaten, who had been disgraced, and he was standing before Pontius Pilate, a fake king, an imposter, a puppet ruler. And you know what Yeshua said to Pontius Pilate? Yeah, I am a king. And I was born to witness to the truth. It's like I was born to testify to the truth. That's something that Yeshua said. Um, Yeshua in the book of Revelation, we learned, is called the martyr. He is called the faithful martyr. The true martyr in the sense of being a witness. So we have a hero who was murdered for the cause of truth. Who was born to testify to it. We have a leader in our movement who was killed and who came back to life. But that was what he was all about. And not surprisingly, when Yeshua's apostles came on the scene and kind of picked up where he left off, that was the exact same thing. They testified to the truth. They were in the face of people, for instance, the people who murdered Yeshua, about the truth. Um, we learned, last thing we learned last week is that the apostles saw their job specifically to witness to Yeshua. They were all about um, specifically testifying to what Yeshua did. They were like, we were there, we saw it, we were eyewitnesses, this is what he did. And um, secondly, they, were, they saw themselves as special witnesses of his sufferings. They were literally blood-spattered apostles. They saw Yeshua heinously murdered and tortured in the process. And they saw him after he was raised from the dead. They were witnesses of his resurrection. So that was what they saw their job description being. We learned that that's probably the best way to read the Gospels. Read the Gospels as eyewitness accounts of people who saw what Yeshua did, heard what he taught, saw him suffer exquisitely, and then saw him alive after his death. We're going to move on in that lineup today to talk about us and what our witness is. Israel and us as an extension of Israel. Um, I was going to tell you some stories from the Gospels and from the early Yeshua movement about people who told their stories that they had about Yeshua, but I decided to keep that till the end. We're going to kind of keep some stories until the end. So today we're just going to look at what our witness is. And uh, we're going to cover some scripture here, and we're going to make some practical applications. Um, firstly, I'm going I'm to, you know, in paragraphs, you can either make your point and then back it up, or you can begin to kind of establish your, 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 um, your thought trail and then kind of culminate with your point. I'm just going to give you the point and then I'm going to back it up with scripture. All right? I, I, I like being direct like that. So, okay, number one, we are God's witnesses that he's the only God. And this was actually the original mission of Israel. God, through his prophet Yeshayahu, or Isaiah, said to Israel in Isaiah 44, 8, you are my witnesses. Hebrew, there would be a, a die. You are my aides, my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? Or is there any other rock? I don't know of any. I love that. God is asking questions. He's like, is there any other God but me? I don't know of any. And you know, when the omniscient guy says that, you've got to kind of take him at his word, right? Because he, he's the guy who actually knows what he's talking about. Um, this is something huge in our culture. Um, very often, we would look at our culture as a culture that is stripped of religion. We would look at our culture as, um, to some degree, atheistic. People say, I don't have a God. I don't even believe in a God. But they actually do. Because human beings were created to worship, and we will all inevitably worship something or somebody. I, I don't care if it's, if it's the riders, or your Tim Hortons coffee cup, or the we, or um, whoever it is you're crushing on. You will, you will worship something or somebody. 
Whoever it is you give your highest allegiance to, your praise to. You know when you just talk something or somebody up? You know when you get really excited about something? You know when like you have a huge enthusiasm? That's not always a bad thing. But you know what? If someone doesn't believe in God, watch them. And you'll be able to figure out that they do believe in a God. Maybe it's just not like the God of the Bible, eh? So that's, that's something to watch for in our culture. Um, we are witnesses, according to this passage, that there's only one God. That Yahweh is the real God. And yeah, there are other, lots of other gods out there, but this isn't a very popular message, but like they're fakes, they're imposters, they're frauds, they're temporary. And you know what? Deep down inside, I think people know that. Like, remember when the riders lost? Was it two years ago? And everybody was like, that was a sad night for Saskatchewan, right? I mean, it's like, let's say that someone did worship the riders a little bit. It's no duh that that God is just not going to come through for you in the same way that you want the real God to come through for you. You're not going to be, li- be able to live on a permanent high if you worship the rough riders. You know what I'm saying? Or, or whatever your God may be. It's kind of cool here that in this passage, God, he uses the word God and then he uses the word rock interchangeably. Like if you look at a rock, what, 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 are, some, what are some descriptions of a rock that you would have? Heavy. Heavy. Hmm? Solid. Solid. A marker. A marker. Oh, okay, what else? Unmovable. Unmovable. Unchanging. Unchanging. Hard. Hard. Deaf. Deaf. Okay. In the okay. Bible, it says rocks cry when they don't yeah. Right. Right. Okay. So can you hear from those descriptions? That is a description of God. That is what everybody's heart's crying out for. You're crying out for something that's solid, that's unchanging, that's immovable, that will actually be a constant and like swirling sands of change. A lot of people, for a lot of people, their rock will be how much they have in their portfolio. Or RRSPs. If you're in China, then your rock will be your children because they will provide for you when you get old. Can you hear that? It's like, what is it that you really, that you really get your sense of security and shalom from? That's your rock. And, um, you know, if you don't believe in the creator of the, of the universe, you will usually look to a person for that, or you'll look to yourself, or you'll look to, um, like I said, maybe your stock portfolio or something. So everybody has a God, everybody has a rock, but we're witnesses that there's only one who's really going to come through for you in the end. There's one that's not temporary. And, you know, I think deep down inside, most people know that, really. I mean, you know, sometimes, let's say you'll, like, you'll really be crushing on someone, or you really kind of idolize someone. Maybe it's a pop star, maybe it's just someone you know. And it's like you kind of put a lot of weight in that person. You look to them to come through for you and to be everything that you need, and then they fail you. And I mean, who here hasn't experienced that? Who, who in our culture hasn't experienced that? So it's like we worship people and we make them our gods, but deep down inside we know they're just, they're going to let us down. They're going to break our hearts. And it's kind of like, yeah, we, we know that in our culture. I, I think it's something really cool that we have to offer people, that we can offer them like a God who's not going to let them down, who will love them unconditionally, who won't break their hearts in the end. You know, and, and God says to Israel way back, like over 2,500 years ago, this is your message to the world, Israel. So, uh, you know, there are a lot of religions out there too. Uh, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, Wicca, Satanism, Pantheism, Panentheism, Humanism, Atheism, Hedonism. They all have their gods. You know, the god of hedonism, for instance, is me and my pleasure. And we're witnesses to say, no, those are not real gods. You need to stop playing that game. Don't, 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 don't fool yourself. Um, we're witnesses that the true God is the one who created the universe, revealed himself to Israel through the prophets, and then revealed himself ultimately through Yeshua, 
the Word made flesh, and through the writings of Yeshua's apostles. And uh, let's make this really practical for a sec, okay? Sometimes, okay, how many of you have quoted that verse, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Ha, ha, ha. Those atheists, they sure are fools. But let me ask you, how many, how many of you have lived a day or lived an hour where you basically said in your heart, there is no God? Where you lived like there wasn't a God? Or you lived like you were the God? I totally have. I think deep down inside of us, we're going to like either worship him or we're going to worship ourselves. And if we worship him, like we'll stay humble. If we worship ourselves, we will expect people to worship us, to wait on us hand and foot, to treat us well. And when they don't, we freak out because I'm a God and they are not treating me the way I deserve. They are not giving me my worship. And I'm offended as a result. Really? How many of us do that? I've totally done that. It's kind of like, and no one would think that out loud. No one would be like, I'm a God and I deserve worship. And if people do not give me the worship that I am due, I will strike them with my lightnings in divine wrath in the forms of slander or a cold shoulder or whatever, eh? We totally do that as human beings. We think we're God. It's hilarious. And we get these, like, we get these entitlement things where we think we deserve stuff. We're entitled to stuff. We kind of forget that we're ex-hardened criminals or ex-wicked sinners that all we deserve is like torture forever and to be uh, you know, executed and stuff. Anyway, so, you know, just as a, as a practical application, um, become like a student of our culture. Just wa- watch your friends, you know, like not in a judgmental way, but like in a caring way and just be like, what is, the, what is this person's rock? What is this person's God? What, what are the rocks and gods in our culture? And, and how, how are they going to fail them? And how could, how could the true God kind of come through for these people and be what they really need? I'll, I'll, give, that, I'll give that to you as a, a practical application. Um, I'll give you one more practical application from who we are as witnesses that there's one God. Um, you know the Shema. Shema is the Hebrew word for here. It's uh, what we call that passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6 that Yeshua quoted in Mark chapter 12 as being the greatest commandment. You know, we, we sing it every time we get together. Hear, O Israel, Yahweh is our God. Yahweh is what? One. one. There's one God. And love Him. This is the basic punch of it, right? And... Um, in the Shema, if you read it in your English Bibles, you will miss something crucial. In the Hebrew text of the Shema, there are two letters that are written really big. Um, the, um, what's the technical term for really big letters again? Mag- majuscule letters. Right? Everybody say majuscule. And, and they've been written that way for a very, very long time. Like in Yeshua's time even. And those two letters are the Ein on the end of Shema and the Dalet on the end of Echad, or one. Right? So when you read the Shema in Hebrew, there are two huge letters sticking out. Ein Dalet. And guess what those two letters spell in Hebrew? Aid. What does aid mean in Hebrew? Witness. That's right. So to the Jewish people, the Shema is the ultimate witness. The Shema is, what, is the testimony that Israel bears to the nations. It's like if you could sum up your witness, it's right there in the Shema. Listen, there's one God... And something about love is in there too. Just, uh, just take note of that. So, you know, on a, practical, on a practical level, how many of you have ever woken up in the morning and you just kind of hit the ground running and for a couple hours you're like a practical atheist and you kind of forget that there's a God out there and that he loves you and maybe he deserves your affections too and stuff? I totally do that. I would, I would encourage you, get in the groove of saying the Shema every morning. It kind of makes sense because in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses said the Shema and then he said, these words that I've just said... Talk about them when you get up in the morning. Talk about them when you go to bed. 
When you're on the road, talk about him. When you get back home, talk about him. When you're sitting at the table to eat, talk about him. Teach him to your kids. So, you know, in the Jewish world, we literally do that. We say the Shema first thing in the morning. We say the Shema when we go to bed. We will often will think about the Shema when we leave the house, right? The Shema is written on that little parchment uh, in the mezuzah that you nail up on the doorpost. And so just a really practical little assignment I would give you. When you wake up in the morning, say the Shema first thing. Let it be the first words off your lips. You know, write it, write it or type it out, print it out on a piece of paper and stick it up next to your bed and just wake up and say, there's a God. There's a God. There's only one God. It's going to be a good way to start your day. I promise you. And when you go to bed at night, let it be the last thing on your mind. I, I promise you it will help you sleep better. To remember there's a God. There's only one God and he's kind of in control of the thing. A little bit less stress, you know. So I, I'll give that to you as a practical application. Um... There's one more passage in Isaiah that kind of talks about the basic testimony that the people of God, starting with Israel, carry. Uh, so firstly, what's the first, what's the first item? We just read in Isaiah. That's right. There's one God. Okay. Here's, here, it's like the one-two punch. Here's the other half of it. Um, we are witnesses of God's salvation. We're witnesses that God is in the business of saving people. And that he saved us. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 12, we read this. This is the Creator talking. It is I who have declared and saved and proclaimed. And there was no strange God among you. So, you are my witnesses, declares Yahweh, and I'm God. So, did you hear that? He said, I have saved, and you are my witnesses that I saved you. That I'm a Savior. So, You could say that was the basic testimony that Israel carried and that believers from the nations who are grafted into God's covenant with Israel also carry. There's one God and he's in the saving business and he saved us. And uh, we're going to look at that whole salvation theme in a little more more detail in a second. All right, those are the first two threads. I'm going to give you five more threads and they're all kind of interwoven with who we are as witnesses of Yeshua. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Yeshua says to his apostles and the early community of his disciples, you will be my witnesses, starting in your own neighborhood and then ultimately to um, the ends of the earth, which is kind of like Saskatchewan pretty much. I think we pretty much qualify for the ends of the earth. So all the way from from downtown Jerusalem to Saskatchewan, you are going to be, quote, my witnesses. So that's like, that is the core of who I am. That is the core of who we are as a community. We are Yeshua's witnesses, just like the early apostles were. We're apostolic in that sense. So I'm just going to give it to you here, five threads, how we are his witnesses, and then we're going to actually, we're going to read some passages that back them up, and we'll talk about some practical applications. Uh, Number one, as individuals and as a community, in our lifestyles, like how we do life in our conversations, etc., we testify simply to who Yeshua is. We're all about who the guy is and what he has done and said. Does that sound familiar? That's what the apostles were all about, right? They're all about who Yeshua was, what he said and did. Same with us. So you could say that like as Tommy Deem, his disciples, we're witnesses of what our beloved rabbi has accomplished and what he taught. Uh, Number two, we're witnesses, just like Yeshua's apostles, that he suffered and that he rose from the dead. Real simple. Uh, number three, we're witnesses that God forgives people when they repent. So like when people turn to God, he forgives them. And we're witnesses that that repentance and that forgiveness come through Yeshua. Uh, number four, we're witnesses that God didn't just resurrect Yeshua and then leave him stranded. 
He exalted Yeshua to his right hand. He brought him back to his throne, to a place of penultimate authority. We're like, we're like witnesses that God made Yeshua his anointed leader. God made Yeshua the king. So we're like witnesses that Yeshua is the king right now. That he is ruling over Prince Albert right now. And then fifthly, we're witnesses that Yeshua is the savior and that he saves. Um, like he saves from sin. He saves from darkness and brings people into the light. He saves people from death. Like death in their hearts, spiritual death. And he brings them to life. Like the forever kind of life. That's where we're, what we're witnesses of, right? So those five things, um, let's draw them, and then I'm going to, I'm going to um, read you some passages, and I want you to just watch for those themes. Okay, let's begin by drawing that thread of there being one God. But what shall we draw for that? How about like just somebody going like this? One God, how about that? Oh, that's going to be hard. We'll do it. Okay, there's, um, how, does he, how do you draw a thumb? Okay, so we'll draw the thumb across like that. And then um, fingers. Okay, one God. <laughs> um, number two, we're witnesses that he's in the saving business. How do we want to picture that one? Maybe, um, how about like, you know, I saw a video that someone posted on Facebook this week about a guy who almost got swept over the Niagara Falls. Did any of you guys see that? I was like, that is such a picture of salvation. He was right on the very edge, like literally three feet, and he was standing there, and the water was flowing over his feet, and he was kind of like lodged into a rock. And um, they like had these firefighters that were down on the edge of this ice ledge. They were trying to throw a, throw a, like a safety device to him, and, and, and they weren't reaching him. And then they had a, like a helicopter come down, and the downdraft knocked the guy down, and he slipped, and he almost went over, and he was hanging off a rock. And then finally they were able to get a life raft to him. And then he got swept over underneath the ice on the edge, like the ice overhang. And a couple of firefighters came down and they dragged him out. It was like, it was really scary, seriously. But I was like, but they pulled him out. And it was such a picture of salvation. So let, let, let's draw a picture of that. That would be kind of cool. It's kind of like, here's, um, here's, here's the guy. And here's like the edge of the falls right here. And then here's the, uh, the ice. And um, here's like the water tumbling down, right? like that and he was right there in the water and um, there's some firefighters on the banks here and, um, and they pull him out right so we'll just draw like we'll just draw a rope and then a life uh, uh, what do you call those things the orange and white donut devices huh like a flotation device anyway okay so we'll draw we'll draw that for him him being in the saving business and then um, the, f- the, five, the five things that we also just listed is we're just witnesses of, of um, like what Yeshua's done and said. Well, maybe we should just draw a picture of Yeshua for that one or what? Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, well, I don't know, just something really simple. So we'll just draw a picture of a man with a crown because he's the Mashiach, the king. Yeah, we're witnesses of Yeshua, who he is. Okay. And then um, we're witnesses that he suffered and rose from the dead. What shall we draw for that one? Hey, yeah, so how about we'll just draw like, um, yeah, a cross and a tomb. That's good. Um, There, that's good. (laughs) And, um, okay, we're witnesses that God forgives people when they repent. And he gives that forgiveness to Yeshua. What could we draw for that one? 
How about like someone kind of coming home and getting a big hug? Would that be cool? Let's do that. So we'll draw like a big... picture of repentance and forgiveness of sins, how about? Um, yeah, then we're witnesses that God didn't just resurrect Yeshua, He made Him the King. He's sitting at His right hand in the, in the Shemaim, the heavens. Let's draw a picture of like, how about the Father and the Son just sitting up there ruling the place? Draw a scepter. Does that, does that look like a scepter? I hope it does. And then, there's Yeshua. And uh, let's see if we can draw a, thro- a kind of a throne here they're sitting on. I don't know if they're sitting on the same throne, but that's, that's, the, that's an idea of it, I guess. And then finally, we're, just, we're witnesses that Yeshua saves. Basically this thing, but that God saves through Yeshua. So we'll just draw the, the, the life raft thing again here, or the... Flotation device. Okay, there we are. So those are some pictures of what it is that he does, what we are witnesses of. I'm going to read you some passages now, and I want you to watch especially for four of these threads. I want you to watch for the sufferings, death, and resurrection of Yeshua. Watch for this one. Um, Watch for the repentance and forgiveness theme. Watch for the Yeshua is the king theme, and he's ruling. And then watch for the savior theme, this one. The Yeshua saves people. And um, all of these passages are in the Gospels, in the writings of Yeshua's emissaries, and they all have that theme of witnessing, of testifying to something. So we'll begin with, um, with uh, it's, to pick up in the story, it's at the end of the Gospel of Luke. Yeshua's been raised from the dead. His disciples are, 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 you know, were pretty brokenhearted. They were overjoyed when they saw the Master. They could hardly believe it. And this is something that he said to them. He said, Thus it is written that the Mashiach, the Messiah, would suffer... And rise again from the dead the third day. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. So did you, did you catch that? Which, which, the, which of these themes did you hear in that? Those words from the Master, the Red Letter Mission. Um, you, uh, say a little louder so I can hear. What's that? Yeah, suffering and resurrection. Repentance, Repentance and forgiveness. Salvation. Yeah, salvation. Okay, cool. Here's another... Here, so, um, Luke, Luke chapter 24, verses 46 to 48. A couple chapters later in Luke's, Luke, Luke 2.0, his second book, he, um, he records the apostles as saying this publicly to the people in Jerusalem. The God of our fathers raised up Yeshua whom you would put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. How many of, how many of those themes did you hear in Acts chapter 5, verses 30 to 32 there? Repentance, yeah, repentance, kingship. Yeah, from death to life. 
Okay, I'll read you another one. This is Yeshua sitting with an inner circle of his disciples on the Mount of Olives across from the Temple Mount in uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse, verse um, 14. This is what he says to them. This gospel of the kingdom. Whose kingdom is that? Yeshua's kingdom, that's right. Shall be pro- preached in the whole world as a testimony, as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So what's the, what's the thread there that really sticks out? The kingdom, that's right. That's what's going to hit all the nations before Yeshua comes back. Um, the Apostle Paul, or, or Shaul, in Acts chapter 26, verses 22 and 23, says this in a, in a legal court situation. He says, So having obtained help from God, I stand to this day testifying. I stand to this day witnessing that by Yeshua's resurrection from the dead, He would be the first to proclaim light both to the Jewish people and to the nations. Did you hear that? What did Paul testify about? Yeah? That by Yeshua's resurrection from the dead, he would be the first to proclaim what? Light. Spiritual light. Both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. I'll give you one more passage. Uh, 1 John. So this is, this is Yochanan. Yeshua is like, I think his closest disciple, when he's like old and gray. And he has had so much experience doing stuff for the kingdom under his belt. And he writes a letter. And this is what he says. The testimony is this. That God has given us chaye olam. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Isn't that cool? He said, this is their testimony. God wants to give you real life through Yeshua. He wants to bring your heart to life. And it's going to be as you come into relationship with his dear son. Yeah. Um, that's First John chapter 5, verse 11. Right? So I will, um, to finish our talk today, I'm going to give you some practical applications relating to each one of these threads of our witness and, um, and um, just things that we can do to like, kind of work this into our lives and see it, see it um, pop out more often. So the, the, and these are specifically to um, who Yeshua is and who we are as His witnesses. Uh, number one, I mentioned we testify to who Yeshua is, to what He's said and done. A practical application, and this is really simple, but just... Um, Study the Gospels every day. Because the Gospels are all about what Yeshua did and what He said. They are like the eyewitness accounts, right? And um, you know what? It doesn't have to be a lot. Sometimes when we think of Bible study, we think of like, well, I've got to study my five chapters a day. You know? It doesn't have to be that way. Actually, like, Tears and I have been studying the Gospels together after supper every day. You know, we'll have supper, we'll go upstairs, and I'll just read a little passage with her from the Delich Hebrew English Gospels. We'll read it in Hebrew, word by word, and then we'll draw pictures of it. And it's totally revolutionized the way I look at the Word. Because I'm used to, like, kind of these massive, really deep expositional studies. And when you do you can't do that with a two-and-a-half-year-old, right? So you read a little passage, and you explain it in really simple terms... And then you draw some pictures of it. And I love it. Like, really. I, I feel like I've, I've never... Be, I've, I feel like I'm understanding the Gospels in a new way. It's like, wow, this actually makes a lot of sense. Like, this is stuff that would make sense to my neighbors. It's so cool. So, you know, that would be something that I would say. Just spend a bit of time every day reading a story about the Master. Even reading one verse of the Red Letters. Because, man, Yeshua's words pack so much of a punch. Like seriously, you could just read one verse where he says one thing and that could take you through the whole day. Just, just turn that over in your mind all day long. Talk about that with a friend or with a coworker or something. You know, because Yeshua's teachings were radical in their day and they're still very radical. And um, there are a lot of people that are turned off to church, that are turned off to religion, but they're still pretty open to Jesus as a person. 
Because he was, he, was he was a very spiritual man. He was a great teacher. You know, that might be a place for you to springboard in some, uh, some conversations. So that would be my first practical application. Just uh, try and stay in the Gospels every day. Something from the Gospels every day if you can. Um, number two, we're witnesses that Yeshua suffered and rose from the dead. What I would say about this is, um, hopefully as a community, we can major on the majors and minor on the minors. In the Bible, there are some things that are what you call major issues, and there are some things that you would call minor issues. Some things you die for. Some things you will fight over. Some things are just not worth it. It's best to just let them go. People can have a variety of opinions, right? I really hope that as a community, we can be strong on the basics. We can have a simple focus on the majors, so that when we have new believers coming to, into our ranks, we'll, we'll get them strong on the basics right away. We'll get them majoring on the majors, and we won't teach them to argue and quibble about like useless Bible trivia and like side issues that just really don't matter. That kind of thing, right? Um, I'll give you a passage along those lines. This is something that uh, Shaul, Yeshua's emissary, Paul wrote to a community of Yeshua's disciples in the city of Corinth. Big metropolitan city, um, really famous for debauchery, wild living. It was like party central of the world. Uh, Paul started a community there. This is what he wrote to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 to 6. He said, I delivered you as of first importance. Everybody say first importance. So he said, guys, this is it. This is the really important thing. This is the majors you want to major on. That Messiah died for our sins, according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Did you hear that? What did Paul say the majors are that we want to major on? Yeah. Yeshua died. They buried the guy, and he came back to life, and he appeared to a bunch of people just to prove that he's really alive. That's, that's what we want to major on, according to, uh, according to Paul. It's a good place to start with people. I'll give you a practical application on that idea. Um, Generally, okay, here, here's the law about your brain that's really helpful. You can only think about one thing at a time. Did you notice that? You can't think about 12 different things at a time. Sometimes I wish I could, but I can't. And so ask yourself, what do I spend most of my time thinking about? Because that's going to be what really filters into your heart. That's going to be where, uh, where your heart is, right? So if you spend some time every day, let's say, thinking about Yeshua and that he died... And that he was raised from the dead. When you really begin to meditate on that, it's going to get into your heart. You're going to start to really like, understand the, the meaning and the practical ramifications of Yeshua's death and resurrection. You know, it's, it's, um, remember I've been kind of sharing with you off and on about the gospel and how there are two sides to the gospel. There's the historical objective side. Yeshua died and was resurrected. And then there's the subjective side. This is what it did for me. This is what happened to me when Yeshua died and was, was resurrected. So I would just encourage you to be asking yourself those questions and meditating on them regularly. What does it mean to me that Yeshua died? What happened when he was raised from the dead? What happened to me? How would my life be different if he didn't die, if he wasn't raised from the dead? Those kinds of questions. And uh, one more practical application I'd say about this. Um, there, was a, there was a ritual in the early Yeshua community that was a picture of each individual disciple and his or her union with Messiah in his death and union with Messiah in his resurrection. And that ancient ritual was being immersed in water. Baptism. So I would say if you haven't been immersed in water uh, by your own choice, 
as a picture of your union with Yeshua through faith, I would encourage you to, to do that, to do, it, to do it publicly. We'd love to be there with you. If you haven't done that, you want to do it. We could do it at the lake. Not just yet, but once it gets a little warmer, and I, I would say that's another practical application. Baptism is a picture of that. I'm so pumped about seeing more people get immersed in Yeshua's name too, because again, it's just a public proclamation. This is what it means to me that he died and was resurrected. Um, thirdly, we're witnesses that God forgives people when they, when, when they turn to him. Here's a really practical application for you on that one. Um, just remember where you came from. Uh, too often, you know, we have ugly stuff in our past. We have some maybe sad or tragic chapters in our history. And in our culture, people don't generally like to talk about that stuff. People get a little bit awkward. They kind of just stare at the table or something when certain things are raised. But don't let that stop you from from remembering where you came from. Just like Israel remembered that they came out of Egypt. Just like we remember at the Passover that we were brutalized, that we were abused, that we were slaves in Egypt. Remember where you came from. Because that's, that's your story. Remember what Yeshua has forgiven you of too. Remember Yeshua said about, there was, like, there was a hooker. And she knew that she was like a dirty person. And she wanted to come clean of stuff. And she saw, I think she must have seen the love of God in Yeshua. Because like he was having a meal at the, this Pharisee's house, like the really, really religious dude that probably wouldn't even look at her. And she came into the guy's house and like she fell down at Yeshua's feet and started like bawling and washing his feet because nobody else had done it. And, and, and Yeshua said to this really religious guy, Shimon, he said, Shimon, let me tell you something. This woman's loved a lot and you haven't. And it's the people who are forgiven of a lot who love a lot. And if you haven't been forgiven much, you're going to be pretty cold. And you are pretty cold. So, you know, as, as we remember the, the, the heinous crimes that we have done against God, the, the, the ways that we have hurt other people, the ways we have been selfish jerks, and we all have been, it's going to keep us humble. It's going to, it's going to keep us in touch with His forgiveness. And you know what? When we stay in touch with our stories of how God has forgiven us, how He's accepted us lovingly, that, that's going to come out in your conversations. That's something that you can share with friends who maybe have been burned by the church or have been judged by Christians. Yeah, you can be like, yeah, you know what? Christians did that, but God, God doesn't do that. This is what God did for me. You know? And the other thing we can do is um, some, something Martin Luther said on, um, when he nailed his 95 theses up on the door. One of the things he said in there is, the life of a Christian is one of repentance. It's not like you just pray the sinner's prayer, repent once and you're good for the rest of your life. Seriously, every day, like saying like, you know what, God, sorry, I'm just a total mess right now. I want to come back to you. You know, um, when we wrong other people, we hurt other people, being, being quick to apologize, it's kind of like just staying in that forgiveness mode, right? Forgiving other people and asking for their forgiveness every day. Huge. Um, Fourthly here, this fourth strand of how we can be uh, witnesses for Yeshua in practical ways. Uh, we're witnesses that God gave Yeshua authority, that Yeshua is ruling over our city and over planet earth right now, that he is the anointed leader, the king. Um, that's huge. A really practical application is um, to go on a quest, to really understand God's kingdom and what it's all about, to see it in the world around you, to understand like, the practical ramifications of it in your life. Like Yeshua's kingdom has a culture, hey? What does the culture of Yeshua's kingdom look like? Let's say in our community or in my neighborhood. Those, those are some questions that you can be asking. Uh, Yeshua talked about that. He talked in Matthew chapter 6 about seeking God's kingdom. He said it's really easy to get sucked into the worries of life, stressed out about how you're going to pay the bills, you know, we're just not able to make ends meet, 
And it's really easy to kind of get in that frame of mind, like, quote, the Gentiles do, and kind of forget about God's kingdom and not spend any time thinking about it or looking for it. And he said, you know what? If you prioritize, like, seeking God's kingdom, God's going to come through for you on everything else. So put his kingdom first. So that can be something that we can do. Another really cool thing to do is realize what the term Christ means. Like, everybody knows, you know, he's Jesus Christ. But I don't think a lot of people realize that Christ means king. When you call him Jesus Christ, you're calling him Jesus the ultimate king, the big boss, the guy who calls the shots, the guy who deserves to be obeyed. Wow. Like, the ultimate ruler. That kind of idea, right? That's what Christ means. Like, that's something to think about. And that's just a practical application I give you on that. And then, um, fifthly here, finally... We're witnesses that Yeshua is the Savior, that He's in the saving business. He saved me from a lot of trash. He probably saved you from some junk too. And um, here's some practical applications on this one for how we can work this out in our lives. Um, Every one of us has a lot of stories about stuff that God has saved us from through Yeshua. You know, for some of us, it was like a life-threatening illness or a uh, near-fatal car crash or uh, some kind of crisis. I, I've been, I should have died quite a few times in construction accidents and other things like that. We all have our stories. And it's too easy to experience those things and be like, whew, that was a close one. And never to think about or talk about it again. But every one of the, like, that's physical salvation, right? Healing from sickness, uh, close calls, that kind of thing. But those are, those are stories of God's salvation. Sometimes God's salvation is very physical, right? So I would encourage you, like, um, do this with maybe somebody in your family or a close friend or somebody, but just say, you know what? Let's, let's, let's remember every time God saved us. And let's write it down. Like, let's have a list of the, of the times that God saved us. What are our stories of his salvation? And that's, that's physical salvation. There's also spiritual salvation. You know, like, uh, and Genevieve and I have been doing this for the last couple weeks. We, you know, we, we've been talking and saying, okay, what are our stories? This is the way I used to be. This is how I encountered Yeshua. And this is how he saved me from trash. This is how he changed me. You know, so I, I think I have six stories right now that I'm just kind of working on. Stories that I can tell in 30 to 60 seconds in a normal conversation. You know, just be like, you know what? I, I, used, to really, um, I used to really struggle with like, deep depression and suicidal thoughts. That's one of my stories. You know, I used to be a selfish jerk. I still am sometimes, but Yeshua is changing me. He's teaching me to love selflessly. That's one of my stories. I used to hurt people. I still do sometimes, but Yeshua is changing me. You know, that's one of my stories. I used to be a porn addict, and Yeshua taught me what it is to be a real man, to look at women with respect, um, to, to be a giver and not a taker. That's one of my stories. You know, I, um, I used to be a religious hypocrite, and I would just go through motions, and my heart wasn't in it. And Yeshua has changed that. He's teaching me how to keep it real with him. You know, and, and to, to, to keep it warm and authentic. That's one of my stories. So, like, I, I could list a whole bunch that I've been going through, and I've been like, and you know what? Again, in, in the religious culture, people don't talk about that stuff. People don't talk about the dirty chapters from their past or about what they used to do. But I think we need to. I, I think we really need to. I think we need to be really upfront about being like, yeah, I'm an ex this and an ex that, and an ex lots of other stuff. And this is what I used to do that was awful. And Yeshua really changed me. He saved me. You know? Um, so anyway, that's just something on a very practical level that we can do. Go dredge up your history. Go back to the skeletons in your closet and be like, yeah, Yeshua changed me. This is a story about his salvation. And I've got to tell this story to people. You know what? Some of you might be scared to do that. Some of you might be like, what are they, they going to think about me in my community if I say what I did 10 or 20 years ago or two years ago? 
we love you and the Father loves you and we're a community of people that He is saving, that He is changing, right? So hopefully we will never feel any fear about what people will think of us. And you know what? In your story, you are the villain. You are the villain of the story because you are an ex-hardened criminal. You are an ex-sinner, a wicked sinner. If you were on the scene, you would have nailed Yeshua up and you would have spit in his face while you did it. That's you. That's me. So in all of our stories, don't worry about how you look. You are supposed to be the villain of your story. But there's also a hero in the story. Guess who the hero is? Yeshua is the hero. And so when you tell your story, you are the villain, and that's the way it's supposed to be, and Yeshua is the hero. And you're making him look really good. You're giving him props, right? That's the whole idea. Everybody say, I'm the villain, and Yeshua is the hero. Okay, awesome. So let's, let's leave it on that note for today. Hopefully those are some practical applications that we can really talk about as a community, that we can apply like as individuals and as families. I know I gave you quite a few homework assignments there, but I guarantee you, like as you, uh, as you, as you do that stuff, as you apply it to your life, like just being a witness to Yeshua's cause and who He is and testifying about Him in like normal ways, normal ways, like the way people normally relate, it's going to come a lot easier for you. And we're going to grow in that. So, right on. Shalom, I'm Izzy Avraham, and thank you for joining me for this talk. I delivered these messages live during the years I was leading a congregation. They're now hosted by my Hebrew school, Holy Language Institute, at holylanguage.com. If you're interested in the talks I've done since then, or if you'd just like to say thank you for these teachings, become a member at holylanguage.com.